0: Hello, and welcome to Thriving Marriage with Mark and Bethany. This is our weekly discussion of marriage and family in the Christian life, and today we've got a special guest in the studio, Dr. Don Whitney. Dr. Whitney, thanks for joining us today.
1: It's a delight to be with you. Thank you, Mark.
0: Dr. Whitney is a professor at Southern Seminary, and he's the author of uh, several books, and he's here this weekend teaching on the personal spiritual disciplines And uh, it's been great for uh, a group of people in our church to uh, consider Bible intake, prayer, meditation, and and all of these things. But today, I want to talk about the subject of one of your other books, and that is family worship. Yes. So I understand that uh, you've published this book with Crossway, and Mm -hmm. in 2016, there was a a kind of a reprint of it. And um, in the book, you... Explain how to conduct family worship. So, we'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. What does that look like? And um, tell us what the book says. <laughs> <laughs> well, just... it's
1: a very brief book, it's only 96 pages. Ooh. And because it's designed to be family worship, I think is simple. Uh, requires no preparation, maybe 10 minutes. Mm. And I say that because when in speaking on this, I've come across a lot of people who think I've got to do all this preparation that I don't have time to do, and if I did, I don't know how to do it. You know, I've got to get some sort of devotional together or something. Well, I've never prepared. Mm. Uh, I think it's just three simple words, read, pray, sing. Read the Bible, pray together, sing together. Mm. And uh, so I've never prepared, just pick up the Bible, open up to where we were, you know. last night and and read. Now, if you want to use other resources or you have something you want to prepare, something you want to share in family worship, great. But that's not necessary. Just to read the Bible, of course, explain as as need be, Uh, then pray together. And uh, I encourage people to pray about at least one thing they read in the Bible. So that keeps it from being the same old things about the same old things every time. And then I, th- I think I can make a biblical case for singing together, which is when mm. I get the most pushback on. Yeah. Um, do tell. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, how do you decide what is and what is not appropriate in worship? Well, there's big historical arguments since the Reformation on that. But uh, I think most probably listen to your podcast would come down where where I do, and that is we should do what the Bible says to do in worship. Mm. Well, pretty much everyone agrees with that. But we may not do anything else uh, if we call it worship. But that that part of it, which is the controversial part, is beside the point. All major branches of of, uh, Protestant theology say we should do what the Bible says to do in worship. And so among those things... We are to sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, right? Mm. We are to sing in worship to God. That's one of the things we're commanded in multiple places to do. So if you call it worship, whether it's congregational worship, private worship,
2: Mm.
1: or in between family worship, I think you can make a strong case for singing. Now, it doesn't mean you have to sing the hallelujah chorus or you have to sing, you know, it doesn't say what. In family worship, often it may be as simple as the doxology or um, uh, a chorus or the first verse of some hymn that everybody knows. There's a lot of things you can do with that to teach. Maybe in your church, your church sings only new music and Mm. none of the great hymns of the faith. Mm. And we don't want to raise kids that do not know, holy, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Do not know a mighty fortress is our God. Or maybe your church sings only traditional music and nothing contemporary. Right. Well, family worship is a time to offset that, so...
2: Yeah, one of the things that we have done with our kids, even from when they're really young, is um, sing to them the same hymn Every yeah. night.
1: Yeah, for a week or something. For, yeah, yeah, until, until they, learn
2: they it. can, yeah, they can sing along. It's and great so idea. Uh, our four kids, most of them can sing, you know, the first version chorus of mm-hmm. some of these just amazing hymns that mm-hmm. I grew up singing, and so did Mark. And so then when you hit family worship time, and the ones that can't read, of course, you know, are not able to maybe sing along, we would think right. they're able to. If yeah. You, if you stick with those, you know, 10 that they've learned or whatever, yeah. then once they can read, it changes. But yeah. that's helpful when you got the little ones too. Yeah. So,
1: yep.
0: Yeah, it's awesome hearing a two-year-old sing the words, Great is thy faithfulness. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's, just, that's amazing. So I would think it's helpful not only to teach kids the concepts of the hymns and the, the truths that we sing to one another, but then it's also helpful for them to see mom and dad express these truths to God in, in singing, you know, to observe their parents singing as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah, to, they learn by, what, by example as yeah. much as mm. the content. Right. Yeah, I mean, a two-year-old uh may not know not what even what the words mean they're singing but what they're learning this for sure whatever we're doing here is really important because right. we do it every night mm-hmm. right they're learning that
2: yes yeah
0: now what if, there's there's probably a bunch of questions that are logistical in nature but you know What if you have a family coming over for dinner Mm -hmm. that night? Do you still do the family worship? Do you change plans? I mean, how does that Mm -hmm.
1: work? Well, ideally, you do. And in pastoral ministry, it's one of the best ways of teaching that. Uh, And I always will say to people, hey, give us, uh, you know, about this time we're going to do family worship. Or give us a uh, heads up, give us a 10-minute warning, you know, before you guys got to go because we want to do this. And let them see you do it and what it looks like in your home because here you are on Sunday morning in leadership, and maybe you're dressed up and everything's formal. But what does this really look like in a pastor's home uh, to do this? And they get the idea that hey, it's pretty much like it looks in their home. Right. And uh, what what do you do with these common problems? And evangelistically, it can also be a great opportunity if you have people from the neighborhood. Let's say they're not part of your church and they see what you're doing, and um, it it can be a powerful witness. The unbeliever is a powerful example to people in your church.
2: Yeah, I can I can hear some of our Thrive people say, you know, I got a, quite a few kids. They're different ages, or they're real wiggly. Can't yeah. get them to sit still, or I'm afraid to even try because, I mean, you know, the excuses that might pop up. Yeah. Were there things that you found in your own home or throughout the years that have helped with some of those excuses.
1: Yeah, to expect that, that that's normal, right. that you can't expect them to sit there uh, that, well, somehow I, people have gotten the idea that, okay, if I start doing this and I do it right, then my children will sit there with folded hands and <laughs> cherubic looks on their faces and yeah. rapt attention, <laughs> and that will never, <laughs> ever happen. Right. And it, Real life is going to happen. They're going to do what they normally do when the family's together in the family room. Yeah. And so uh, laughter is going to erupt from some unknown place, unknown reason. Uh, There's going to be sibling quarrels. The family pet's going to come in and barf on the carpet, you know. And you think it's a very holy moment. You're explaining the gospel to one of the children who seems really interested. And then suddenly... Uh, you know, he,
2: he touched me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: And that that's normal. Yeah. Right. And I, I close out the book by saying, uh, I give a story from my daughter who in her high school graduation, um, uh, is a small situation, small school and, um, cr- classical Christian school. And the parents give the diploma to their children, say a few words of encouragement. The, the, the graduate says something of gratitude back to the parents. <clears throat> and my daughter started telling me how much family worship had meant to her. Mm. And she got just a few words in to it, and she broke down. Wow. And, I mean, fell on my shoulder and wept. Mm. And, and uh, I have a picture of that. In fact, it's in the latest reprinting of the book. Mm. It's my favorite picture of the two of us together. When I say sobbed, I mean, she cried harder than she had since she had been a preschooler. Huh. And it, it, it blew me away. Because mm. in the thousands of nights that led up to that photograph, right. not one time. Mark, I mean, not one time. <laughs> Do did I have a sense of, after family worship, oh, the Spirit of God came in great power in our home tonight. You know, we're on our faces before God. Mm-hmm. The, the atmosphere was electric. Not one time, nearly every night, I walked away thinking, was that a total waste of time? <laughs> yeah. Did anything huh. happen? Mm. But the effect of camp family worship is cumulative and almost never wow. episodic. Mm. Almost never. And if something like that happens, or anything even remotely like that happens, you will say it was worth every one of those nights for years mm-hmm. when nothing happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's the the long term, uh, consistent vision yeah. that you're describing. That's uh, that's so powerful. Um, the the results of week in week out, day in day out. Uh, investment in our kids in that sort of way yeah, faith uh, is, is huge. It's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. What other challenges, Bethany, oh. come mm-hmm. to your mind as a woman? <laughs> well,
2: I think he's, he touched on it when you first started, but it, it did bring up something I've heard, you know. We'll hear, you know, you two, you're a pastor, and, and you're a pastor's wife. So yeah. if you do devotions, I mean, you've got this wealth of knowledge to draw from, and what, what I heard you say is open the Bible, read it, and explain it a little bit. Yeah. And I think some of our listeners might say, well, I, I don't have the degrees you have. I don't mm-hmm. have the knowledge you have. I feel ill-equipped. Yeah. So should I still do it? Should I wait till I'm trained? Kind of those things. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and the answer, yes, you should still do it and not yeah. wait. Um, right. Not only you're going to know more of the Bible than they will, mm-hmm. but there's so many <laughs> great resources, story Bibles uh, I just did an endorsement for one this week that Truth 78 um, used to be uh, Desiring God Kids mm. or Kids Desiring mm. God, whatever sure. it is. Yeah. Um, they've done the Old Testament. Now the New Testament is just about to come out, and I just wrote an endorsement for that. And the the Child Story Bible, uh, Catherine Voss, 1935 is the one we use. The new edition of that has come out, mm. and I mean there are countless resources, and they're, they're they're, you know, what's the word? They're, they're ready to go. They tee it up. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they, every, not only the story, but questions. Sure. Many of them have, here's activities, you know, for a, each night for a week. I mean, it's all done for you. Right. And uh, you can take as much of it or as little as you want. So there, there is no excuse.
0: Yeah. And I think a little bit of positive pressure, for you to be in your Bible so that you can then have something to read and explain to your kids is a really good, healthy pressure for us to feel as parents. There's a level of accountability there. Uh, We ought to be reading our Bibles regardless of whether we have kids, but if you have kids, all the more reason. You should read and prepare something to say.
1: Yeah. And let me mention too, a lot of people hear family worship and they think, okay, couples with young kids at home. And that tends to be the stereotype, but I would make a case that it's from the night you get engaged mm. until death do you part. Mm. Remember First Peter 3, 7, it says, husbands, love your wives. And uh, uh, I mean, you no, know, uh, that's that's... Live with your wives, yeah, live with your wives yeah. in an yeah. understanding <laughs> way so that your prayers will not be hindered. Mm. Right. Okay. I've Most of my ministry, I thought it was saying, hey, buddy, you better treat your wife right or God won't hear you when you pray. And I think we can make a case for that from elsewhere in scripture, but... Um, it's talking about mutual prayer. I didn't mm. know that for many years. It's mm. the prayers husbands and wives pray together. Peter assumed Christian couples pray together. So family worship is for couples and not just necessarily parents, because some of these passages, like husbands love your wives, it, is, it, it says husbands, other passages say fathers. So 1 Peter 3, 7 says "Husbands, See, not all husbands right. are fathers. Right. Sure. Um, so this is, I tell my students from the night you get engaged, you need to begin something like family worship. And empty nesters need family worship. And maybe it's a couple that says, hey, we, you know, we didn't do this. Now here we are. What do we do now? Yeah, you do that. And you say to your, your grown children, you know, we should have been doing this when you were at home, mom and I do this now. We do this when our grandkids are here. Mm -hmm. We're going to do this when you're here and you need to be doing this now. So you're still an example to your children, even though they're grown and uh, you, you show them how they ought to be doing family worship.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. But what
1: you're doing as an empty nester, senior couple. Right. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And,
0: um, be consistent about it. And, and what you said that, um, I think at the very outset that it doesn't need to be long or extravagant, but to combine those two thoughts, be consistent, even if it means, you know, having a shorter or abbreviated Mm -hmm. version. But I love that vision. I think that's really helpful. That's really challenging. And uh, so thank you for that, Dr. Whitney. You're welcome.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.
0: Okay. See you.